Hello and welcome to On Staging, a discussion podcast featuring community theater companies in Calgary and surrounding area. I'm Kyle, and today I have the esteemed pleasure of getting to sit down next to dynamic duo couple Gad Hihon and Jason Backus with Untold Stories as they present Back to Square One at the Pump House October 20th and 21st. You may know these wonderful two gentlemen from many cat awards over the years for both acting and directing, let alone other nominations in a myriad of different topics and skill sets. Jason, having received the cat award for his role in Avenue Q, as the two of you moved into COVID, you had started to create your own company, Untold Stories, and you've now done two full shows with Untold Stories, moving into your third season of shows, let's say. And I just wanted to talk before we get into Back to Square One about what prompted you to start Untold Stories. Um, Before we talk about why it's called Untold Stories and all the other bits that come with it, where did the inspiration to create a community theater company come from? A huge part of it was this desire to create another space in Calgary for theater. We have a really great theater scene, especially in community theater, but there's always room for more. And especially we have so many performers specifically, and there's not enough opportunities for all of these performers to always be in shows and get these roles and do the shows that they want to do. So I think a really big part of it was this desire to just create another space for people to come and create and explore. Yeah, I completely agree. I do believe that uh, we were lucky because we lived together at, at that point until this day. So it was really funny to try to find out a project. As many people, they try to figure out what to do in this isolated world. And we figured out like, hey, we can do maybe a new space that we can foster community theater, try to give opportunities and show to everybody ways that they can learn something. Because that is one of our mandates is that people at the end of the show that they were involved with us, they learn something. It can be, I learned to dance, I learned to sing, I learned to be more confident, or I learned that I don't want to do musicals anymore. (laughs) And that's fantastic because at least they figure out something out of this experience, whatever is the reason. But they came with something extra. It's not just to do show, just to do a show. It's just like what you will get from this experience. So you were sitting around the kitchen table, cooking eggs and making some toast (laughs) and decided, you know what? We want to have more theater in Calgary. Let's make more theater. Have either of you ever been involved in the creation of a society or a charitable company before? In my case, yes. In Mexico, I was artistic director for 12 years for a company named Gato Encerrado Theater Company. It was a different process because legislations are completely different. But the same process that we have here as community theater, I was working the same system in Mexico. At that point, I was not sure that that was community theater. I didn't know that that can be a a thing Mm -hmm. until I moved here to Canada. And it was like, oh, so people can do this one by free. Wow. That was not groundbreaking for me, but I was very impressed that I understand the process in Mexico with the company of those 12 years. And here we found the opportunity at the right moment. COVID helped us to develop the company and start working on what will be our show that we want to have, which is the genre for the audience, which will be our target location, rehearsal space, etc., Pandemic was good for us in that sense because give us enough time to prepare. Right. Yeah, you didn't rush into a show. 
exactly. a lot of the times a company will be created specifically because they want to make a show and they want to make it now and they haven't done all the legwork to do the societal piece and the not-for-profit component and get a board of directors together and all of the other pieces so you were living together it's the pandemic time and do you have a general sense as to when you decided okay let's do it let's print off all the pages sign some documents, find some other people. Who do we know and who trusts us implicitly to do a whole bunch of work for us for no money? Funnily enough, I think ever since we met, it was kind of something that was on the table and that we talked about um, because we both had this dream and this idea to have. And then the time allowed us to fully flesh it out. And then actually the person who helped us a lot was Sean Anderson from Morpheus. The most helpful Um, person in all of theater mm -hmm. in Calgary. Absolutely. We approached him. I believe our initial offer was to become a branch of Morpheus Theater that does one musical a year. But upon more conversation with him, we kind of decided to fully become our own company and do some co-productions with their support, which has been great. And then just recently, I want to say a few months ago or like start of this year, we made the final decision to pursue becoming a nonprofit organization. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. So we assembled, we have our unofficial board as of right now. We've filled in our paperwork. We've sent it right. in. Um, so it's waiting on the confirmation for that. I think something that really helped us was being able to do some productions before making that decision to find these people who are passionate about our company, passionate about what we stand for as a company. Right. And they were able to build that trust with us. So we were able to build a board based on trustful members that we have. Oh, that's wonderful. And who are these people? Who's helping you in the background? Because everybody knows Untold Stories is Jason and Gad. That's not the true story. There's a whole bunch of big pile of people there building the foundation and laying the support needed for a company like Untold to generate and do the musicals you want to do every year. So who is on your board and what are they doing for you? Currently, Gad and I are members of the board as well. So I act as the president. I'm in charge of the money. Some really good with nice. budgets. So you are the treasurer as well? Or? No, we have a treasurer that is uh, Ali Grams. Okay. He's our treasurer. How did you find Ali? She was part of uh, Cinderella's last year. And she approached to us that, hey, when you're becoming a full society, I will be really interesting to work with you because it's uh, an area that I want to explore with nonprofits. And I can bring this knowledge from my previous job. She's working as box office lead in a different companies. So she also offered that knowledge to bring to the company. Our secretary is Brita Siemens, that we work with her many years in other shows. She's been a fantastic asset to the team. Uh, usually she do hair and makeup for other productions. And last year she's been working with us as costume designer. That it was mm-hmm. a new area that she wanted to explore. And she's been fantastic to work with her. We have our vice president that is Nicole Dickinson. Oh, how did you find Nicole Dickinson? Yeah, Nicole and I have been best friends for years. We met in junior high and then we pursued theater together throughout school and after school as well. She's the one who actually introduced me to community theater. Our first show was in Front Row Center. It was in Footloose. Um, That was our first show together. And we have been inseparable ever since as friends. Her and I actually had plans to start a theater company when we were super young and had no idea what to do. (laughs) Um, And I love this story. Yeah. And then lives changed and lives switched and happened. And we're so happy to bring her on board now that we were able to start a company in a slightly different way. Yeah, and we're missing the last piece that is uh, Alina Cox help us with marketing. She's been a fantastic asset to the team. We also have um, 
Michelle Rawlings. Yeah, we, our director at large, yeah. right? She's one of our directors at large. Michelle is a really good asset for us. You met her doing Matilda, Gad. Yes. I met her during Elf at Storybook Theatre. But Michelle actually has done uh, quite a bit of work as a professional performer. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, so she gives us some really good insight into the professional world. And our goal necessarily isn't to become a professional company, but we want to run as professionally as possible. As most community theater companies do. Everybody wants to have everything by the book and on the up and up. Exactly. So you've got a great group of people, but let's roll back to that day in the kitchen when you said, okay, let's go print off some pages and see if we can make this happen. You've got the support. You've talked to Sean. When did the name Untold Stories take place? When did that happen? Well, (laughs) that's a very interesting story because we tried to debate about which name we will put on the company. Because originally when we approached Sean, Sean asked us like, okay, which will be the name of the company? And Jason and I debated about like something that is meaningful for us until we found out that I'm not sure exactly how we came with the name, but we decided that it was Untold to reflect every performer has an Untold story to tell that it can be they always want to be a lead or they want to be on stage or people that they always see these shows out there, but they would don't have the opportunity to do it when they were young. And now they're like, I want to be on stage. I want to be, I want to try this new environment. And not just for performers, for production members that they want to try new things. Most of our crews are very new in the area that they are exploring. Some others that are they have many years on the industry. So that's where it comes the name. We actually had a meeting with Daisy Pond really early in the process to just chat about some logistic things because she was such a great support to Scorpio Theater for Absolutely. a really long time. And I believe the name we proposed to her was Opportunity Theater. And she told oh, us yeah. she told us that was the worst name she's ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> trust daisy to be as frank (laughs) as humanly possible yeah and so it aligned with what we wanted to do as a company but it was a little too on the nose but i think untold stories is a really unique way of getting the point across that it's very sticky it has a nice flow to it it's only four syllables so that makes it really easy to say the whole thing or just untold and then it always provokes a bit of further thought because as sean anderson whispered to me one day he's like how are they untold stories if that's literally what's being presented on the stage (laughs) (laughs) is that sean (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i said well maybe it's because it hasn't been told in a while and i was like but there's it's rogers and hammerstein cinderella so (laughs) (laughs) yeah we get that question a lot it's a very fair question but the name reflects the uh the values of the company more so than the shows that we absolutely and also I like the fact that, as Gad said, that it talks more about not necessarily just the show that's happening on the stage, but all the other stories that are happening behind the stage that are not getting told. And Untold is working to develop these people and grow not only as a company, but as a community for other people. And that's the greatest thing about community theater is that it builds a community around you, which I think you see as you lead them into the future. Absolutely. So you have the plans you've had. When when was your first meeting with the whole entire board where you set your board? March? I think it was before because it's when we decide uh, which show we will do for the our right. third season, if you want to call it like that one, we bring all of our members and tell them, hey, now that we are all together, let's start in business. These are our proposals for next year's show. We're going to hear your thoughts. We have option A, B, and C. Speed. <laughs> Destroyed us. And fortunately, the board was unanimous on the prom. 
that would be a story that it would be in a couple of months later to talk about it. But I do believe that it was in... I think January. January was the first one. And then recently we have a couple ones with them just to figure out a couple of logistics about back to square one. Like, hey, we need support in this area. And everybody has been very grateful to support us in the capacities that they can because everybody has their lives. And again, this is a volunteer position for... Right. uh, Because we are community theater. So yeah, I do believe that was January the first one. And then recently we have a couple ones. That sounds right. The two of you sat down put a list of shows together, not just for this year, but you probably have a list of shows for several years to come. Is it a really extensive list? I mean, if you, you don't make a theater company unless you have, like I try to tell people, don't start a podcast unless you have 50 podcasts in your bank. Like, unless you already know 50 topics of things you want to talk about, yeah. don't do it. Agreed. Did you have that when you started to sit down and be like, let's make a theater company? We have a good list of shows. We don't have a plan of, you know, when they're happening. but No, that's fair. Yeah, we've got a whole bucket list of shows based on budgets and and what's needed. So How big is it? It grows. It, it grows, grows every day, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Yeah. The issue is that every time that we go and see a show with another company or, you know, you are in Instagram or YouTube seeing videos like, hey, see the show, part of our conversations always are like, how could we do it? If we got the rights, how can we do this show? And it was very funny because many interesting concepts arrive and very expensive. Right. Because it's those moments like, yeah, if we have the money, we will do water and rain. And like, yeah, that's very, very expensive. <laughs> Probably we will not do it. But the list always start growing and growing and growing because when we pick the shows, we are very passionate about them. Yeah. We don't pick shows just to do it. It's right. like they need to have a strong connection with us in a way or another. It can be from an emotional side or it can be like technical or the story one is super connected with us. So that list, it's it's quite big. <laughs> yeah, when we started, I think there was only like four shows on our list. Oh, really? When we first started. And two already been done. Yeah. Wow. So it had to grow, I guess, at this point. <laughs> right. And you have the shows you want to do now, but there's the shows you dream to do. And I guess that's kind of the balance there is that as you grow and develop and you learn more about the stagecraft of putting on a show and the productions involved with it, you're like, okay, we can do this now. And then the, the list grows and blossoms and develops. That's cool. Because yeah. the, the worst would be like, we have four shows. We, we've done three of them. Next year, we'll do our, our next show and then we're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be the worst. It's time to hand the reins over. Untold Stories now belongs to someone else because I got to tell the four I wanted to yeah. tell. <laughs> That's it. That was my purpose. Just for thank you. Bye. They're yeah. no longer untold. Huzzah. We yeah. win. But I guess that's also one of the things I've been talking about as the president of Calgary Hacks is progression planning for companies as well. And we're seeing that with a lot of the senior community theater companies that we have run by seniors. But then we also look at the massive changes that have occurred in several of the boards and several of the community theater companies in these last two years, let alone the deaths of several community theater companies at the top of the pandemic. So it's nice and a refreshing breath of air to see companies like Untold and the others that are newly generating and newly forming like reflective theater coming out of the woodwork to fill those gaps and fill those voids and put people on stage under lights. So thank you very much for your hard work, your efforts and everything you've done to make your company happen and bring audiences into seats. I mean, I've been to see both of your shows so far, sold out performances, tons of people there, and a billion and one kids on stage. (laughs) 
as you have done an exceptional job of bringing in youth performers to your shows so far. And I don't doubt that your next show in the summer of 2024 is going to do the same thing as it is also a youth inspired show, a youth inspired pageantry. So is that one of the mandates of untold stories is to find young people or is that just a byproduct of what's been going on for the shows you've done? I wouldn't say it's a mandate. I think it comes in turn with wanting to find new people in general. What's newer than the youngest? Yeah, of yeah right. <laughs> well, I, I think as, as human beings, it gets scarier to do new things when you're older, right? So it's more likely if you're opening yourself up to new people, you're going to find the young people who want to come and join mm, you. Okay. And we love having them. We have discussed in the past, we, we don't want to be known to be doing children's shows show, uh-huh. and youth shows. We love them, but we love the adult shows too. So I think it's definitely something we're really proud of, bringing them in and giving them a place to be because there's not lots of places for them to be in community theater. Yeah, it's depending on the show. Definitely we don't want to get known by that one because we are not trying to fill any gap that is missing in our community theater. But we do believe that we will open to get any performer. If it's the right fit, it will get into the show no matter the age. That's what we been finding out. Even our requirements are certain ages. There was a couple of situations when we stretch a couple of those limits because we find a really good performer that wants to be with us and why not give the opportunity to show what you want to bring to the table. And usually the people that they have that passion are the ones who are more grateful for the opportunity and give that that extra mile on stage that we really appreciate it. That's wonderful. And so one of the things I like to ask, especially when it comes to productions and whatnot, is what challenges have you faced in trying to make a production happen? And usually that's where the good stories are. But I also want to know, because I don't think people realize how many challenges there are in just bringing a company into existence and putting it out there into the world to make a show, which then has its own challenges and difficulties and things to overcome. So what have been the challenges in making untold stories come to life, a reality in amongst us? It's it's a lot, I will say. It's, There's a lot of them? Yeah. It's, it's a lot to put a company together because you need to deal with another human. Like Jason and I, we're fortunate that we live together so we can make the decisions uh, together, but we have our works and the and untold is another full-time job. Right. Every time that we have is for planning. Every free time is like, let's plan for untold, like marketing is missing, like this person needs X, Y, Z thing. I do believe that the biggest one is have the balance and be grounded all the time. Because it's very easy in this industry to lose the floor. And you think like, I'm perfect, everything is perfect. And we always remind ourselves that be humble about the productions because there is always room for improvement in any area. Right. And that is something that we pass to our production members that are like, hey, we can grow. This is probably, it's a good state, but how you can go that extra mile into the to the show. Yeah, I think another big challenge is space, like mm-hmm. literal physical space. I'm so jealous of these companies who have the means to have rehearsal spaces and, and places and whatnot. And I'm so grateful to all of the ones who have allowed us to share their space and use their space. But Wind in the Willows, since we based it in such a unique setting of a very cluttered attic that show ended and for about a month and a half afterwards our entire house for lack of a better word it's basically an apartment was filled with junk that we had to get rid of and give back to where it belonged so that's definitely a really big challenge it kind of takes over your whole life not only mentally but like literally as well it's it's always wow. in the way 
not something you would think about is like when the show is done and left the theater, you don't think about where all of those props and setting pieces went and the logistics involved in that. So it took over a month to clear your apartment of the detritus of the of the show yeah. the wind in the willows yeah and you had all of the wind and all of the willows yeah. in your house yes. yeah. absolutely <laughs> even with cinderella it was less set pieces but the costumes that we need to send some for dry cleaning some we need to do it ourselves right others uh, we as our costume designer to help us because it's a lot of things that we borrow from other companies that you need to give them in in a good time in the best quality right. possible like it's a lot of elements that people can see. Like, it's easy to put a show. It looks easy, but it's, it's a big monster. And the financial area is the one that I do believe is also an issue for every company. Mm-hmm. Starting from zero, don't have anything. Well, it- before we go into finances, I think it's really important. I don't even think actors think about where all the stuff goes. I don't think anybody thinks about it at all. And I've just been remembering the times where it's like two weeks after a show where I'm still hauling, I'm driving out to Bill Brown's house in Nanton to drop off set pieces and flats and, uh, which you guys had used too. So thankfully, like yep. I got to l- deliver back to Bill Brown all of the flats that had been delivered for <laughs> your show. Yep. Thankfully, because my show came in right after yours and we just repainted a lot of your flats into new pieces. So that's one piece. But then to think about the fact that like this, the actors, as soon as it's loaded into the trucks, as soon as it's back to the space, wherever they're dropping it off and they dump it in there, they leave. And all that labor that you had putting the show in and setting it up and building it and getting it into the pump house and put up and looking pretty, everybody knows about that labor. I wasn't, I don't really think people really think about the labor involved in what do you do with all of it once you've got it? And what? how do you get it back to the people you borrowed it from in the first place? It's a lot like our house became the storage place. Yeah. At least one month before open any show is when we have everything there. Yeah. Fortunately, in the space that we rehearse, uh, we can leave a couple of costumes, but there is other pieces that they cannot fit. Right. Because usually we have like two racks full of costumes and we still have more pieces that they need to come. So we, we need to find places to put it and so we need to sacrifice one place because it will be our home. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, Nose Creek players work out of Robin McKittrick's house. His wife is the props master typically. And so there's a whole section of their house that's just props galore. And then their rehearsal space is usually his living room, especially for the smaller shows that they do. And then sets load into his garage. And I was like, that seems to be very similar to what's going on here, but not something that people realize. Totally, They're going to come see a show like Cinderella and think, oh, that probably came from a workshop and whatnot. No, that workshop was our house. (laughs) Yeah. He's literally beside the bathroom. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. And so it's not just the physical objects and the physical space that is time consuming and physically consuming. Like it's hard to get past a show if you're still walking past all of the boxes that you had piled and the push carts that you had for Wind in the Willows. If they're still there a month after the show has closed. How do you move on to the next show from that? But then also you have to reconcile all of the bills that had to be paid from that show versus the revenue that you made from that show. And so you just started talking about finances. How has that been a challenge? I do believe it's not that easy to get money when you start. When you start a company, it's hard because usually um, 
you can have grants, but to have a grant, you need to apply and it takes time and you need to put the show. The show needs to go on, like no matter the right. grant is approved or not, because yeah. applying doesn't guarantee you that you will get it. So for us, we were very lucky that we partnered with Morpheus because Morpheus support the economical part for us. But every time that we start seeing the ticket sales and expenses and figure out how much is the minimum tickets that you need to sell per show to break even, not to have a, any kind of profit, just break even yeah. and don't have any loss. Because that was our goal when we started the company is in the financial side, we need to break even. You mean more profit than that. Is yeah. like is greedy. Because in these in these days and in this economy, as soon as we break even, we can rest right. and we can start thinking about like, now let's go for the profit. But right. it's a lot. Like I'm the one who always crush the numbers to try to figure out how can we reduce expenses, how we can reuse materials. But it's hard for companies. It's a lot of money. Each musical is is a couple of thousand dollars. Well, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is like you cannot just barely break even because that means you did one show. You have to have made enough profit to afford to set up the next show. So that's why your first show has to make enough money to do a second show. Otherwise, you're spending money after money after money to make this show viable. Will you have enough from the proceeds of that show to pay the people back you took loans from and also put up your second show? Yep. And that's it's hard. So you did it. You got through. Morpheus helped. Morpheus got you from Wind in the Willows into Cinderella, right? You got just enough you made enough because cinderella is not cheap to buy the rights to i was so shocked that your second show out of the gate was a rogers and hammersteins and that's 10 years before it falls into public like rogers and hammersteins is getting closer and closer and closer to public domain yep. and then it won't cost us anything to do yep. those shows like gilbert and sullivan <laughs> and which i think is one of the reasons why morpheus does a gilbert and sullivan every year no rights easy enough we yep. can spend the money on rights for other things we want to do we can start this one off on an even cheaper basis you had enough money you bought rogers and hammerstein's cinderella and carried it through and now you're got the rights for the prom you're looking to move forward with that but money is still tight because you're only newly generated this year you're only applying for grants now casino money is at least i would say three years away because it's going to take you two years of not-for-profit status with properly filed financials yep. before you can even apply for a casino and then it's usually 18 to 24 months before you get one yep. if you get it because that's the, always the thing that yeah. if you get it, like... You'll apply for it and then you will get it within 18 to 24 months. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's how that will work. We rely a lot in donations from yep. from people. To be perfectly honest, that is what give us some breathe when we can see donations from people that very generals trust in us, trust in the production, because without them, it will be tougher. We get uh, friends and family and we get complete strangers, so... Please donate. <laughs> <laughs> we need the money. And so to that end, as a measure of ensuring your financial future for untold stories, this is what we're here to talk about today. We've gone a long way around the bush to try to get who is untold stories? Why'd you make it? Because I'm super interested in all of that. And you can tell the dedication in your guys' voices and the work and the labor that you've done that this is something you want to do for a long time. This isn't something you wanted to do a couple of times and be like, well, that was work. Let's move on to figuring out how to play the accordion. So you've to that end, you've put together a fundraiser back to square one tell me about it so back to square one the the title of the show 
stems from this being our very first independent production. Right. Our very first show was a concert. It was uh, all together now, the collaboration with Morpheus, ourselves, Cappuccino, and Front Row Center. So Back to Square One is kind of us going back to our roots as a company, going back to what we want to do and what we want to provide to the artists that work with us, and really making sure that that is where we're still at and what we can still give to them. I think it was a little bit of a last minute decision to do it. Yes. Not in a bad way, just in a, it was kind of on the back of our minds. And luckily we ended up having not much else to do in the theater world in the fall. And we kind of went, hey, why not? Let's try it. Let's see what happens. It's not super new to us because of all together now, but a little bit newer compared to full-time show. So You say last minute, but I would have to say that it was like three or four months ago that you made the decision to put together Back to Square One. Did you have to approach the board with the idea of putting this on? Yes. And of course, they rubber stamped that right away. Yes, more money, please. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. The board was super done with uh, having a fundraiser, especially in a concert team. Because money is necessarily, but we think that this year we didn't have anything for this season. We want right. to put in numbers. The first six months we don't have any show, and the prom we start in auditions in November, and the show is in June. So we have a lot of time. Usually our productions we take up to one year to six months of pre-production just to figure out how, when, etc. So for this one it was a last minute between brackets but <laughs> it gives us like three four months of pre-production less of the usual time that we spend on every show but yeah it was it's been a really good turnout so far yeah that's what i can see you have 27 people listed in performer status on this production you put out a call what when did that happen and how many people came out for the call our audition call went out the end of in, in August, early yeah. September. Did online auditions, which you know, depending on who you talk to, has it it hits and it. So, misses. did you do live online auditions or taped auditions that were then sent to you? Taped auditions. Oh my goodness! Yeah, we're not sure in the future. We think we would probably prefer live again for this, but the taped auditions were nice in a sense. It gave people lots of time to prepare. What we asked for is the audition with the songs that they really want to sing. So it gives them time to make sure they can pick out the song, practice right. it, make sure they show us their best work. So it, I think it was really successful in that aspect. I believe we had 40 auditioners in total. Wow. 40 auditioners. And how we made the decisions, it was with our two music directors, Aislinn Ricard and Nicole Cates, also with our assistant director, that is Paisley Nuber. And we make... We see who was the person, which was the song, how can we fit the song into the show, what are the areas that they can improve, because part of our process is they came to perform the song, they get notes from the music director, from the director as well, so we can polish the number. It's not just right. uh, they can perform and do whatever they want. It's uh, Everything is structured mm -hmm. to be cohesive, and that is when we start making decisions about solely group numbers and it was very tough to cut people because right. we want to have everybody, but we cannot have a three-hour hour. concert. No. <laughs> yeah, so. no, people won't even sit for a two-and-a-half-hour cat awards. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yeah, no, they were incredibly talented auditioners. I don't think we had a single one that was complete no thank you. Like, it was, it was all based on what the right fit is, which, you know, is what all casting is. But Yes, and also yeah. who's willing to come through the door. But it sounds like we're not having that problem in Calgary with tons of auditioners coming out for all of the productions and all of the shows. They're yeah. not having... doesn't seem, for the people I've talked to, that it's been difficult to find people. Totally. So, were there callbacks? 
No. No. Not for this show, no. So you made your selection of the 27 performers. What happened next? Then it was designing the concert itself and and the order the the songs go in. It wasn't as hard as we thought it was going to be. We thought it was going to be more difficult than it was. But we had a really good selection of genres of songs and types of songs and musicals that they're from. We have modern, we have classic, we have upbeat, we've got groups. Were people auditioning with the group numbers or did they audition with a solo number and then you worked with them to say, hey, we heard your solo, it was great, we'd like to put you in this group number? People, they arrive with the song that they want to perform, an alternate option, and a couple of duets and group songs that they would like to perform if they were selected in that area. So we approached with the true honesty with uh, with the people, hey, you want to pair you with this performer because we thought that you will sound really good together. And the same happened with our four duets that we have and our two group songs. We've been on honesty about like, you're a fantastic performer. We want you in the show, but I cannot give to everybody a solo. <laughs> we need to pair it right. with somebody else. No, no, absolutely. You, you can't have 27 people and everyone has a solo. That's the whole show you're talking yeah. about. And everybody only gets a 90-second version of that song Yeah, right. just to make sure we get through this. <laughs> Agreed. Although, I kind of like the idea of that now. <laughs> just like a big mashup, an hour yeah. and a half long mashup. It's a Glee episode where yeah. we go through like 40 songs, but only tiny amounts of them as yeah. they all move back and forth with each other. So, what's the music? Is there live music? Is it canned music? Or what are we looking at for music? We're looking at tracks. Okay. We love the idea of life, but it brings a whole other challenge that I, I don't know if we're quite ready for as a company Agreed. yet, both financially and time-wise, because, you know, you have to bring them in for rehearsal. You have to pay for the rehearsal space. And there's lots of talented musicians in Calgary. We see them at FRC, and I know Morpheus brings them in sometimes. So one day we'd like to bring them in. But yep. this one, we've got um, we've got tracks going. Especially because it's a short rehearsal process. We put the show, we rehearse in three weeks. Okay, so when was the first rehearsal? October 3rd. Oh, okay, wow. Yeah. 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 So it was super to the point and we were honest about like, here's your songs, your group numbers, yeah. practice, come Literally to two weeks. And then how does load in work for a show like this? What's your... We don't have a full week of tech. Right. We just have a day. So we have the, the Pump House Theater booked just for the Thursday. We don't have a massive set. It's no. just a little decor kind of stuff. So it yep. won't take long to bring in. Our biggest challenge, we're not too concerned about it, will be um, we do have a lighting designer. Well, you got to. Yeah. Josie Kipe, who did our lights for Cinderella. Lovely. But she has that day. So we already told her, do your best. Don't hang lights. Just use what the Pump House has set up. So she's got that day to do the lights and then we rehearse in the evening. So it'll be very fast, but yep. I don't anticipate it being anything too stressful. No, because it's a concert. We are focused more in the performers. Mm -hmm. We don't want to have any objects that can distract the performance, yep. especially because when you have a big set at the end of the show, the people, they will say like, oh, the set was gorgeous. And the show? But also, it was good. So we, we don't want that people, they focus in the wrong elements. We want to showcase the talent that we have. We have people from different companies. We have many new faces. So many new faces. For the first time performing in their lives. What It was wow. shocking for us. Because they, they came very excited about like, I didn't do musical theater before or singing in concerts. Like, welcome. <laughs> you are a right fit and you have a beautiful voice. Why not? Yeah. So... We really want to focus in the talent and showcase them as individuals. Yeah. That's why we try to be minimal with other elements and especially because it's a fundraising. So oh, yeah. we try to get as much money as we can and spend as little as we can. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what a fundraiser is for. If you started having gigantic sets, I wonder why you could have just had blacks. Yeah. Just hung some blacks and moved on. 
yeah. and uh, been good from there. And so how are ticket sales going? Really, really good? Or are we looking for more people? It's only the October 20th and 21st. There's only two performances Correct. to see all of these beautiful, wonderful actors step onto the stage. How are ticket sales going? We are good. The first show, we are 70% uh, sold out. That sounds like an untold and number for exactly sure. Right? <laughs> and the second one, we are 50% of capacity. I just checked the numbers before I arrived here. So. so you'll listen to this this week leading up to this show. Tickets are still available to come and see these 27 performers. Uh, that is a lot. And what I want to say is it's not going to make it a longer show. It's just going to pack more excitement and interest and investment into it. There's going to be something you're going to fall in love with. And it's going to showcase a whole crew, a whole slate of people you just don't normally get to see in theater because you haven't seen them in a while or they haven't performed at all before. And so this is a great opportunity to see some talent in Calgary in a new and uh, wonderful way. And I couldn't think of a better way to do an evening than to see all of these amazing performers show up and sing their stuff. But you rehearsed for two weeks. And what are the challenges that come with this sort of show, with this sort of fundraising element? What is hard that people might not necessarily realize is difficult with putting on this sort of concert? I think, especially when you do a short process like this, it wasn't super last minute for performers, but it's a busy time of the year. We had a lot of conflicts with our performers. So it makes this interesting organizational scheduling conflict because everybody only gets one slot for their song. Right. Every song gets a half hour to 45 minutes, depending on the level of the song. And that's it. They get that amount of time to work on it. Well, with the music director and with you yeah. guys and with the assistant director and the team. Yes. They hopefully will be working on it on their own a lot more than yeah. that. But yeah. There's been a lot of a lot of gentle reminders to, uh, you know, keep working on it yourself. Make sure you're practicing at home. Because not only do we have all those solos, we have an uh, opening and closing number that's full right. cast, which obviously gets a lot, of, a lot more time to rehearse because there's choreography and whatnot involved. So I think the scheduling can present a bit of a challenge for sure. It's been successful thus far, but we've definitely had to shift a lot of things around. But fingers crossed, it's looking great. Yeah, so far I can tell you that the other one is, part of Untold is that we trust the people because we don't have the callbacks, we don't have the dance component of a regular callback to see the level. We trust that everybody can dance. And so far, everybody can dance <laughs> with our choreographer, Jessica Jones. She's choreographed opening and closing number and in the middle group numbers. And everybody's putting everything out there. They practice as soon as we teach the choreo. We can see them there in their groups in the corners when they are not being blocking things that are practice and making questions. So is that kind of known about if it will work or not? If you make the right choice, because we just flip a coin with every performer, especially the ones that we don't know. Right. Because we always tend to go and see more shows in Calgary and surrounded areas as a scout talent to see like, oh, this person is really good in the ensemble. This person was really good here. So when they audition with us, we have a fair understanding of where are the skills of the performers. But with new people, it's gambling. We are hoping the best that it will work out and they will be fantastic the work. So far, we've been very surprised with everybody. That's great. And Dale Herlihy, a friend of mine who's moved away and left Calgary Community Theater, definitely lessened for his move, always said that every show you do is your audition for the next show. And you just basically said exactly that. So that's awesome. 
I wish you two nothing but success in this fundraiser. And by that, I mean money. It is a fundraiser first and foremost. I hope that there is more opportunities for people to throw money at untold stories so that you can put together a brilliant run in addition of the prom, which is coming up later in the year. And we'll be back together and talk about that then. But get a ticket today and support untold stories I will also include a link for you to donate to them as they continue to put their good works to good use and grow and develop as a company to tell you more of their untold stories. Thanks for listening. Thank you.